Hello and welcome to The Wise Why. This morning, Ben Thompson is, I hope that didn't come out correctly, Ben Thompson is joining me from Thompson and Terry, also the Oxford Business Community Network, I hope I got that right, OBCN, and host of the Breakfast Bunch with Mike. Did I get everything correct? Almost, almost. Oh, it was going so well. The business brunch of Ben and Mike on Get Radio. <laughs> um, in essence, it is Mike asking really, really intelligent questions and me following up with, oh, how does that work? Tell me more about that. So I'm an expert <laughs> in how does that work and tell me more about that. I like your radio show. I, um, I remember I came across it because you'd invited Joy Foster onto it. So I listened to it one Sunday morning and then I never expected to be a guest. And I think it was episode 95. So thank you for the invite. But I like, the, I like the fact that it's full of business acumen. That's a good word for this time of the morning. Mm. But it's, it's not pitchy. It's educational. It's everything that you want as you're drinking a cup of coffee on a Sunday morning. Yeah, exactly that. And, and that was the plan. So so Rich and James, who set up the station, uh, wanted a business show. And, and really, they didn't want it to be a sales pitch. They just really wanted to share insight to Oxfordshire businesses from Oxfordshire businesses. And we've had over 300 guests, 300 Oxfordshire business guests um, on the show so far. Um, and we'll continue um, to, 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 to grow at that alarming rate. It's, you know, it's been fascinating having very small startups from their bedroom a month in right up to the big corporates but actually i think the real the real i guess um reward for me is showcasing the stories of 300 oxygen businesses is has just been so rewarding for, for for mike and i i think that's the thing that we really share the view on and and it's incredible and this is i, I met you through uh, the oxford business community network and i'm just going to talk about this for a second because networking is something that a lot of small business owners don't do and I'm, mm. I was one of those I found it uncomfortable what I will say is I walked into OBCN at the time Mike was running it mm. and he knew about me and mm. I was shocked I was really shocked but then I come around the corner and you knew about me mm. and it was that personal that really personal touch that you don't just do when you're out networking, you also do it with Thompson Terry, I believe. Yeah, for, for me, I, I think one of the things that I was really taught at a really, really young age is just be nice and just do the right thing. Um, and I think so many organisations forget that. Um, and I think that for, from our point of view and every business that I've been involved in, I've always wanted to do the right thing and just be nice and be friendly and, and treat people as individuals because actually... Um, going back to the networking piece some people will network because they want to get referrals um some people will network because they want to a support network because often you know a lot a lot of small businesses work from home by themselves and and different people will network for different reasons or a combination of reasons and it's really important that you get to know the person rather than necessarily the label that they represent and and that's something I've really tried to do throughout my whole career obviously I've made tons and tons and tons of mistakes um not so long ago I looked at somebody I knew really really well and when we were introducing them and I was like I'm having a brain freeze I just literally do not know their name um and I remembered it just as we got to them but but other than that um I, I think I think the world of business isn't complicated it's just if you do the right thing if you be nice and if you listen and learn, you'll, you'll, you'll do well. And I love that, for me, being nice. Uh, Dr Jenny Gordon did something about some, I can't remember the quote she said, about being 
nice was seen as weak it's, a, it's really but it's not it's really powerful and if you're nice it's such a, mm. a an important thing to be because if you're nice and kind the world is such a better place mm, no absolutely it's it's really really fascinating that i i think that so many businesses um feel that there is only one choice in terms of you have to be hard or you have to be nice or you have to be profit focused and actually one of the things I found really really fascinating from from the B Corp movement is the B Corps who are um for the listeners who don't know what B Corp is um, yeah. businesses <laughs> for business for the greater good and they look at doing the right thing for your suppliers the right things for your customers the right things for your staff but actually putting everyone on the even playing field um, and almost every B Corp makes more money the year they become a B Corp, uh, which is just fascinating. And the reason for it, and I was asking Paul Mabbott about this uh, over at Jennings, and he was saying, well, it just makes sense because you retain customers better, you retain staff better, and, and it just you retain suppliers better, and it just becomes that win-win-win rather than somebody losing out, which, which I just love that concept. So I was at an event last week and Jill Geik asked a question about um, relationships. And it's really important because people forget that the people that you work with are also your customers and your mm. clients. And it's very easy. Now, I've got um, I've got a VA and I've also got a person who does my website. But if I was rude, they'd leave. Mm. And so I treat them with respect and they are individuals in their own right. And I mm. value what they bring to me and what they can do for me. And, you know, I'm grateful. I am totally mm. grateful for the the way that they take the pressure off. Mm. So I, I'm going to look at the B Corps. I'm interested in that. No, it's fascinating. Really, really fascinating. What, what, one other thing, just, just on that note of, of staff, um, in the world of recruitment, of course, we hear um, about, you know, uh, people not doing so well in the role or employers not being great, that great to, 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 to an employee. And, and I think the, the biggest phrase that that I learned early in my career, which which really resonated with me, is nobody wants to do a bad job. It it might be the wrong fit, it might be something's not quite worked, but nobody wants to do a bad job. And I think as managers and leaders, it's so important that we remember that when when we talk to our people. And 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 I think that it's really, really important that we appreciate our people when things are going really well. But actually, when there are tweaks and things aren't going quite so well. It's so, so important that actually we remember nobody's doing a bad job on purpose. Let's let's support them to either be have the skills to do a better job or indeed find them the right job is, is, is something that's really important to me. So we should mention at this point that Thompson and Terry is a recruitment agency because we haven't actually done that. And <laughs> um, one of the things I do love about you is the way that you are very personal with the way that you work. I know it drives. I mean, I sat the very first time I came to OBCN I sat there and you linked me with Andrew mm. and then Andrew turned into a client so Little mm. Wheels turned into a client I'm loving if you if you want to check out TikToks you've got to check out Little Wheels very cool business very cool business very niche their TikToks are incredible and I'm so mm. proud of them and it's all organic but back to the linking of people what I really I see with you is that you link people Mm, mm. you know you you really go into the personal it, it, it's it's incredible to watch mm. how do you do that with recruitment because obviously it's a bit you're on the phone so I'm just intrigued how your recruitment works it is so easy like so <laughs> so so easy um and 
I believe that the reason why Thompson and Terry has got the reputation it has um, and the business that I'm really, really proud of is because I hadn't worked in recruitment before. Um, and I think that if you work for a recruitment agency um, as a recruitment consultant or a resorter or whatever else, um, your job is to register as many candidates as you possibly can. And then that is your job. Um, so your job is calling candidates all day, come to our office and register, come to our office and register. And then when you do have a job on, you can send five your five best CVs over to the client if they want to interview them. And th then then that's great. So really, it's a really salesy focused job. You're selling to the candidate to get them to come and register. And then you're sending lots of CVs to the employer to hope that they take somebody and, and to then sell that candidate. With us, it was, we said, like, surely, if you just try and give a really, really transparent overview of the good, the bad and the ugly to every candidate that you speak to, don't get them to come and register unless you've got a job and you're telling them who the employer is, what they do, what the job is, what what is the good, the bad and the ugly. And then when you submit the candidate, you don't rewrite their CV because there's no value in a client's in the amazing CV or not amazing CV that I can write. It's about what they can do, along with lots of bullet points, lots of interview notes as if you've interviewed them to um, and got the power to give them the job, which we absolutely do interview them um, for, for a good hour in most cases. And just give the good, the bad and the ugly of the candidate that in the world of people, there will never be a business that is perfect. There will never be an employer that is perfect and there will never be a candidate that is perfect. But actually, our ambition is to when the candidate meets the client, that candidate should be exactly what the client expected off the back of our notes when the and, and vice versa. Um, and actually, the bigger goal to that is the 12 months later when we catch in again that i guess opinion should be exactly the same by both both parties and i think in the year of 2022 there were only two occasions where there was any disparity at all really um which which i think considering that you know we've got a team of four we're calling candidates all day we're working on jobs all day we're really really proud of that and and i think that going back to the two yes i do beat myself up about the two of course i do because i want perfection and actually although it looks like a good stat those two impacts people's lives so <laughs> if 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 somebody doesn't work out and only one of them didn't work out one of them it just was quite different to what they expected and they've now gone and done a different role within the business and they're about to be promoted which is brilliant but nevertheless that does impact on people's lives and i think that we should all urge ourselves to regardless of how well we think we're doing within our sector always want to do better because the impact that one little tweak can have on somebody's life is huge, absolutely huge. Um, so that's 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 a little bit of a mumbled answer, and hopefully, <laughs> hopefully, those listening can deduce the uh, the point I was getting to there. But I see that, and this is what people don't see. They 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 kind of you go out networking, and because you're hosting the events a lot of the time, we see Ben Thompson post we don't see Ben Thompson the person except a child will so I'm going to bring it in because I love the way that my daughter reacts to you I genuinely love that she sees your childlike wonder she sees your uh, mischievous side and she wants to compete with you <laughs> I love the fact that my nearly seven-year-old desperately wants to go and see you and play with you oh, and that's what people don't necessarily see is that mischievous side to you because you're very business focused but actually you're an awful lot of fun um you're very competitive I'm gonna say it she beat you at laser quest 
yes, she did beat me at Laser Quest. I thought we weren't mentioning the fact that I might have lost. And I think most most adults would try and be a little bit nice to uh, to, to children, wouldn't they? I absolutely categorically was not being nice. I was trying to win. I can really assure you of that. <laughs> I love so much so I was following some child around um, and just pointing the pointing the laser gun at their back to get extra points without them realizing. But anyway, we won't mention that. I'm well aware because we were on the same team. Because actually, the 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 competition between you and the seven year old, my daughter, was very much like, "No, you're coming on my team." Um, although I had to ask her permission, but we did win, and she went home. Uh, but she was very happy that she beat you. So I'm sorry to enjoy that moment, but of course I had to say it. Um, you are. Re- I'm, I'm going to just talk about this for a second because obviously I'm a lot older. You know, I think I'm old enough to be your mum. But you're a young entrepreneur, which I find brilliant and inspirational. I don't know if you could just share a little bit about how you've come on that journey because there are people out there that will be sitting there thinking I'm too young I can't possibly do it but you are living proof that you can go and create a business from a really young age. Yeah absolutely um, and actually if I, I think if I'm being really honest um, I probably left it a little, little bit too late um, which, which I'll come on to in a moment. Um, so so I was always quite entrepreneurial um, at a really 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 young age. I probably just didn't know what the word was. Um, so I think I was seven, seven, eight, nine, something like that. Um, I had chickens. Um, I got three chickens for for my um, for my birthday. Um, and though, uh, and I sold the eggs um, rather than letting my parents have the eggs. I was selling the eggs, and I and I got up to the point where I had eighteen chickens in my parents' three bed semi garden um I was making 50 quid a week out of chicken eggs and I'd done research of the right chickens that would do well so I had Moran chickens and I was feeding them sweet corn because then the yolks go really bright and I had a couple of local B&Bs like literally obsessed with my chicken eggs um and I just kept putting the prices up and up and up and bear in mind that was good sort of 22 years ago um I was getting three pounds for six eggs which I think is good good rate back then because they were genuinely really really good eggs um, so, so it started there and actually when it became less cool to have chicken eggs and I started getting quite, quite good at rugby, um, I didn't stop. I sold all of the chickens. I sold the branding that I'd created on my old 1998 computer. Um, and, and I sold the relationship as well. So, so I, I started there and I, from that point, I always wanted to run a business, um, I then got relatively good at rugby. Um, that ended very abruptly with a broken neck and a bleed on the brain and being in a wheelchair for a year, um, which I was very short fortunate to have. Hang I should on, have stop, probably died. for a minute. Wow. I didn't know that about you. So technically I'm brain damaged, but, 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 but. Um, but but I was fortunate. I was fortunate. You know, I'm alive and I've been able to build, build, build a business regardless. Um so I think that my early career um, was hampered because I expected to go on and play rugby. I didn't or go to university. I was relatively academic. Um, but being in a wheelchair, it probably wasn't the right time for that. So my first ever job was incredibly ethical, cold calling, selling payday loans over the phone and convincing people to go for them. Um, but actually, it was it was probably one of the only jobs I could get at that point um, that I could have something tangible that would give me some success um 
I was top performer. I, I did really, really well. I got headhunted, quite literally headhunted to move to Moscow as an unregulated financial advisor. Um, I'm really, really selling my um, my um, <laughs> my personality here, aren't I? Um, th- then I came back and had a couple of roles. Um, I worked in radio, um, launched group on an Oxford chair. So I did some cool stuff. Um, but at the age of 24, all of this had happened. And, and I really wanted to run a business. And one of my clients approached me, the Mike Terry of Thompson and Terry, and said, let's let's set up a business together. So we we set up a business there. And actually going back to your question, because I realize I've sort of gone, gone on a tangent a little bit. If if somebody is listening and wants to set up a business, my the reason why I did it was because I thought we could do something better. And I think that we have done something better. And I thought that I could make a difference to people's lives. Um, we all have imposter syndrome. Even the most confident people have imposter syndrome. And they all have, what if it goes wrong? And actually, something that I did is I said, wait a second. If I would be really, really rubbish at this, so a bad performing salesperson, which I'd never been before, if I was a really bad performing salesperson, we could still make a living doing this. And and actually, I think that was my security blanket. Um, you know, I had savings and Mike and I agreed not to take a salary out of the business for the first year, um, which, which helped. Um, but actually, I think that from my point of view, the reason why I did it was because I, what was the worst that could happen, um, which is really the wrong way to look at it, isn't it? Of course, I wanted to do the right thing. But but actually, worst case scenario, I've lost a bit of savings and I'll go and get a job and I'll, I, and I'll go again. So I think if somebody is listening, um, of course, it's a very different scenario if you've got, you know, children and a big mortgage, et cetera, et cetera. But actually, you know, if you are early in your career and you don't really have much to lose, follow your passion. Because I think the biggest thing you do have to lose is time and happiness. And I think time and happiness will always have a bigger value than but, but potentially the right move for your career. So I'm like you, which I think is really interesting because um, I, I take the and I think this is about when you've had something happen in your life that you could have died through. Mm. Then it's I think we you adopt this and I, I might be wrong and you might not feel the same way. But I've had moments in my life where I'm lucky to be alive. Mm. I'm genuinely sitting here today going, I don't know how I've got to 50, nearly two, and I'm still alive today. And so I take the what's the worst thing that could happen? So I've been on the, uh, you know, I wasn't on the streets. I was in a tent. I was, that's how I lived um, because I didn't have a, 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 I had a postal address. So that kind of counted, but I wasn't actually genuinely living in a tent. Um, I threw myself off the side of a boat by accident and I was really lucky. I lived on a boat for many years. I was really lucky because I managed to grab the railing and pull myself back on. But if I hadn't grabbed the railing, I would have been in the rudder. Mm. Um and I don't talk about this ever, but I had an ectopic pregnancy and I was very lucky to survive that. So I've had moments in my life, there are others where I shouldn't be here today. And that gave me this whole attitude of what's the worst that could happen. So mm-hmm. I think that's really powerful advice. I know it is very different if you've got the mortgage to pay and you've got the children and you know, as a mom. I totally get that and I and I hear what you're saying. But there is that moment that I think if you've had a, a near-death experience, which you have. Mm. I have. I wonder if it changes your life. What do you think on that? Yeah, but, but potentially, potentially, I, I I think that there's um, 
two ways and I, and I don't think there's a right or wrong way to this because I I don't think that you know I'm, I'm qualified to comment on how people feel because I think you should be able to feel how you wish but I think that there's probably two types of people in this world um, and of course there is a middle ground maybe it's a spectrum but you get those that are very half full and very fortunate for, for what's happened in the past and really look at it as a wow I'm so lucky this is an opportunity to push on and then of course you get those who who really struggle and and actually probably beat themselves up as a reason you know i've i know two or three people that have had bad things that have happened to them and then as a result of that they've become alcoholics or they've lost their career or they've lost their <laughs> their whatever else and, and actually it it's just so sad isn't it it really really is sad um but i think that what i would urge people listening is to there is always a second life. There is always a second career. There is always that second opportunity. It's just so, so important that you do everything within your power to, to, to go and get that. Because actually, as harsh as this sounds and as sensitive as it sounds, the only person that will lose out is you if you don't do that. Um, which which is Which is harsh because I appreciate it's not easy. It's not easy. But it's really, really important that, you know, we're blessed to be given these lives and, you know, go and go make the best of it. Thank you for that, because I, I know people who have disappeared down the uh, drinking dogs route and, and it breaks my heart. Mm. Um, I won't go into that today because obviously we're live. But um, to the person that knows, if you ever listen to this, you know exactly who I'm talking to. Um, yeah, yeah, that that's it still breaks my heart is it, it was a good person but um the drink took over and it is it is gutting you can see that does that actually triggered me so on to something a bit more positive <laughs> we <laughs> moving swiftly on <laughs> moving swiftly on for my own self now just so people know that's what i call is acknowledge identify and move on so that's me using an, an acting technique where i've acknowledged that i was being triggered because somebody that i used to care about went down the the alcohol route and I identified where the emotion was coming from and I moved on so I have live on air dealt with a trigger <laughs> <laughs> a professional live <laughs> there you go so we've had some lovely comments because this is me moving on um I've acknowledged it I've identified it and move on just in case people don't know what I'm talking about um Maureen has said who was our, our guest last week has said I said wise words Jill Gake, didn't know you were listening, and I even gave you a shout out. It says, so refreshing to hear this. So there's some really lovely stuff going on on the chat. But what I want to know is you've talked about that aha moment, mm. and that's quite a big one, you know. Mm. Wow, the, the rugby accident. I don't want to dwell on it, but I would like to know who inspired you, who has really picked you up from, because you must have seen some black time at time in your life. So who's really inspired you and picked you up? Um. At that point, if I'm being totally straight, nobody, um, probably myself um, and, and being being really straight. So, you know, I, I wasn't naturally amazing at rugby. Um, I worked really, really hard from 16 to 18 and went from probably being a squad player, a reasonable level club to to, to, to pushing for, for, for premiership. Um, and at, at that point, I thought I was going to make it. Um, and then I was hit by a car. So it wasn't a rugby accident. And you know, had a bleed on the brain, broken neck, brain damage, all, all, all of those sort of things. Um, but 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 nevertheless, I think from my point of view, um, I spent such a long period of time in bed by myself, not really talking to anyone. Um, and, and I think that from my point of view, um, this probably sounds really, really harsh, but I don't think there was a particularly big support network at that point in my life. And I think that 
that was partly because um you know it was very difficult you know i have, have you ever watched 50 first dates so i was literally like three second tom um just after the accident because the part of the brain it damages is, is, is my memory um and i was also um you know very very loud very cross very you know very angry about what had happened and, and actually i think from my point of view i had stopped a levels and started a level a levels equivalent and and there was a great tutor that um said ben you know you can still go and get your three a's um and i worked really really hard for that and i think that was a big impact um uh, and a positive one which which i did and then i think from my point of view there just wasn't the option to go and play again because i don't think i'd have made it at that level and actually i think that injury wise it was 50 50 um whether I could go and play again, a little bit dangerous, necks and, and, and rugby. Um, and then I think that the other thing was, do I go to university with all these brain brain problems? I've always been very ambitious. So I was going to go to a university that was going to push me. Um, and actually, I, I one of the best moves I had was, I just want a job where I can earn money for hard work. And that's what I said to a recruitment agency. And they put me into a cold calling call centre and... I think second day I was top performer and, and 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 that that kept going forward. So so I think from from my point of view, was there somebody that particularly inspired me? Probably not, if I'm being really honest. Mm -hmm. But I think that what was a greater power is I inspired myself to really want to go and push forward. And and then yeah, everything else is history. So a little bit of a negative answer there, but actually I don't mean it in a sort of a hard done by way. You know, obviously I've got great people in my life, but it was actually a me thing that I needed to fix? I don't think that's negative at all. I've been there. Uh, when I left my first husband and I, I threw myself into work, and I, I did, I didn't deal with the pain at all. I totally avoided. But what I did do was I worked my derriere off and um, I got skills. And then mm. through getting those skills, I started to believe in myself. And then mm. I pushed my th myself and went to university and through university that's where I found out that I was neurodiverse uh, with the dyslexia and the dyspraxia and I do wonder how much that out-of-the-box thinking mm. has actually shaped my life to to where I am today but when I think back there are lots of people who've inspired me since and there's lots of people who inspired me before but mm. the one person that keeps me going and keeps kicking my butt uh, is me and mm. so I I'm going to say that's a really positive empowering statement because actually you're responsible for yourself so mm. I can't just I'm loving this because I'm finding out so much about you and I'm going oh we need to go for a beer <laughs> <laughs> happily happily that's my other secret I absolutely love a beer <laughs> it's it's I just think it's fascinating because of course people don't you, you very rarely talk about yourself I know you probably do it, do your wife probably says something completely different, but um, I think it's your wife or your girlfriend. But yeah, um, yes. yeah I was going to say, oh, but actually, you very rarely talk about yourself. I have learned so much about you in this 30 minute conversation. It's been, been amazing. Um, <laughs> Jill has said, can she come and join us too for a glass of wine? I think that's She's very good. welcome indeed. Absolutely. So, just very quickly, but can you talk about? why you took over and uh, not why you took over but why you were brave enough to step into the big shoes and follow Mike Foster because Mike is incredible 
and mm. I have put a call out to him. So just live on air, Mike, I'm, I'm really hoping you'll join me on here. But that's big shoes to fill. Yeah, incredibly big shoes. Um, and, and actually, from, from my point of view, I think that if we go back to our previous question in terms of people that inspire me, in, re in recent times, Mike absolutely does inspire me. I think that he is so giving with his time and he's so giving with with wanting to help people. Um, and I think that after spending 10 plus years building a network that really he was doing for good. Um, I know that we made changes um, when, when I joined over, over two years of working with Mike and I really enjoyed those two years. I really did. I learned a lot and I think it was a real collaboration. Um, Mike has always given so much and I think it was time for him to probably do the things that you mentioned that I probably do now but opposite so Mike had always never been talking about him always been trying to help his members always been trying to um help the people in the network and actually I think it was time for him to go and be the entrepreneur's mentor and be Mike Foster and, and and focus on that he will continue to help as many people as he can of course he will but I think that that was the right time and I I think from Mike wouldn't mind me asking this I think that because he cared so much um, about the members and about the network, I think that the only thing that was probably preventing him from doing that was that he wanted to ensure it was in safe hands. And, and I found it so flattering that he felt that I was the safe hands. In terms of stepping into Mike's shoes, I think that, yes, it was scary. Of course it was. It was a big responsibility. And I think from my point of view, my fear was never about making myself look silly or about... Um, running events or any of those kind of things because you know i i i don't get scared standing in front of crowds and, and anymore it, it was it was daunting earlier on in my career but but that was never a fear i think that the big fear was something that mike had worked so hard on for so many years and actually me taking that over in very big shoes which i don't think i'll ever properly fill i think it's important that i keep the network as close as possible to how mike ran it and that is my goal. Um, and, and I think from that point of view, I think that Mike's views are that I've done it. I think that a couple of the members' <laughs> views are that I've done it. Um, and But I think from my point of view, I think that I'll always be grateful to the work that Mike's done for Oxfordshire Networking over the years. And, and actually, I think that a big thing is he didn't have to stay on as a member. He didn't have to still shout about our events. He didn't have to do all of those things. But he has, which I think kind of show, shows the guy that he is. So... Mike, if you're listening, hopefully that was the right wording, but that's what I meant. <laughs> I love it because um, Mike was on one of my very first calls I was invited on by uh, Chris Jones, who's also been on the show, uh, when uh, in the middle of the pandemic, and I didn't know who Mike Foster was at the time. And then I was a little bit intimidated by him. And <laughs> most people say that I'm intimidating, but I actually, I was really intimidated by Mike because he was this big business brain and, and oh, um, I don't feel like quite like that yet. Still, still a little bit. But um, and of course, he's just released his book. So I will give mm. a big plug out to his book. Sorry to jump on your bit there. Um, no, not, that, carry on. not that I can remember what it's called. Um, and I do need to get a 105 ways to business success. There you go. And and so I knew we could get a plug in there for Mike. Um, this is where you get to turn the tables. Mm. this is where I get to feel like oh but I've really been triggered on this one so it's, it's it can't go it can't go worse than that so uh yeah you get to ask me a question so my question is why do you do this why do you do the why's why it's a good question and the reason 
everyone knows I set it up as a glass of wine um, because somebody I knew wanted to go live on LinkedIn and couldn't. So mm. it was accidental, it really was accidentally set up. And then over the 55 episodes, the stories I've been privileged to share, the stories I am privileged to take out there and then cross across social media because what I started out to do was not what it is now. What it is now is a mm. personal branding platform. Mm. Originally, it was a bit of a punt, and I thought I'd do 10, 10 episodes and that would be it. Now I found that it's become a voice, and a good mm. example of this was when I went to the security event on Wednesday. People were stopping me and saying that they watched the show. They're inspired by the show. The show has helped them. Mm. They have been down at points where they really have felt quite dark mm. and then they've watched an episode of someone who has been in a similar situation and it's mm. helped them navigate the way out so I'm not going to stop the show because actually the greater good it does for other people is really powerful your story today sharing how you have overcome such a terrible accident me talking about the person that I know that disappeared into alcoholism that still breaks my heart that they're an alcohol they're not an alcoholic now but at the time it, it was very very difficult to be around them mm. these kind of conversations of real life are why I will continue to share the wise why it's all done within boundaries it's mm. all done so that I keep people safe but I am I think it's important that everyday people share their real life stories because we are the people who live life and, and we are the people mm. who can inspire. And so much is put on and out there for the elite. Mm. Yes, it's not the elite who do the everyday job. So that's mm. why the wise why is staying and why I do what I do. Absolutely. And, and hats off to you. And I, I look forward to seeing episode 100. That That's that's the challenge I'm looking forward to. So you've got, yeah, 45 to go. Oh, my God. That will be either next year or the year out. Oh, I haven't even thought about. Do you know, I really didn't expect to get to 55 episodes. And I look at it and I go, I don't know how we got here. Um, people give their time for free. And I just I'm, I'm grateful. So I shall sign off here and say thank you for giving me your time today. Thank you for having me and thank you for watching. <laughs>